Welcome to the Women's Wisdom, Our Journey in Emergency Medicine podcast, a production of the Women in Emergency Medicine section of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. Join Dr. Molly Estes as she's joined by prominent women in emergency medicine and other special guests. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of the Women's Wisdom podcast. My name is Molly Estes, and I'm clinical faculty at Loma Linda University in Southern California. And I'm Liz Calhoun. I am an attending physician at Mercy Fitzgerald Hospital in Darby, Pennsylvania. And today we have a very special guest joining us, Dr. Chelsea Osman. And Liz, why don't you uh, give a little bit of an intro for Chelsea before she introduces herself? <laughs> All right. Well, Chelsea is someone that I met through a mutual friend. One of Chelsea's co-residents was one of my classmates in medical school. And so Chelsea ended up in this podcast today in the way that many of us do. I would call it swished, but since Lois wasn't actually involved in this for once, we're going to call it Jenny. She got bought and told for this podcast to introduce us to herself and her exciting and very varied career in military medicine. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are currently joining us from. This might be our first international podcast recording. Hey everybody, I'm Chelsea Osman. I am an emergency physician in Germany currently. I'm active duty military with the Army and I work at Longshore Regional Medical Center in the emergency room. And I'm also one of the emergency treatment physicians in the 512 Field Hospital at, uh, in Kaiserslautern, in Germany. Um, as a military physician, I also just want to say that the views that I express today in our conversation do not reflect the views of the U.S. military. All right. Well, Chelsea, tell us about how you ended up in Germany. Let's backtrack a little bit more. Tell us how you got into not only emergency medicine or medicine in general, but military medicine. What made you become an active duty service member? So I decided to pursue the military and become an army doctor. That's our, our proud phase, phrase we like to use um, because I really feel like military medicine has a lot of unique challenges, but also very fulfilling group of individuals, families, travel, technology, um, all sorts of just different experiences that I wanted to be able to do. Um, when I was looking at applying to medical school, I actually didn't know that the military was a route to take until one of the nurses that I worked with, I was an ER tech um, at the time, and one of our nurses knew I was applying to medical school and said her son had just gotten into the Uniform Services University, USIS, and she was showing me and our coworkers pictures of him at his officer training and his field exercise and all the cool things he was doing when he was a medical student. Um, my family was actually Navy. My grandfather was a chaplain in the Navy and they continued with the Coast Guard. And so I knew that um, the military would pay for some education. Um, I knew specifically nursing I had looked into a long, long time ago. Um, but when she told me that that was also an option for medical school, I started looking more into it and it, it really just fit the things that I loved about emergency medicine, the 
excitement, the adventure, um, the medicine, but in a whole new kind of package that I could also pair together with traveling and um, also ultrasound. That's something I was actually pretty interested in when I was applying to medical school. I was really lucky in the fact that I worked in the emergency room alongside some really early adopters for ultrasound, which I didn't even realize was abnormal at the time. Um, working as a tech in the ER, I just knew some of these guys just used ultrasounds. And I thought that was actually pretty normal back like, you know, in the early 2000s, like 2010s. Um, so I knew I really, really enjoyed emergency medicine and I really liked ultrasound. And when I started looking into USIS, those were two very big um, branches and two big um, areas that they put emphasis in training. Um, when I started looking at the different spots for the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, and Public Health Service that uh, USIS has, I just saw the number of spots that they had for emergency medicine specifically, just all over the globe. Um, and I just realized that that would be very exciting to travel, but also it's the type of people that you're getting to work alongside. And then also the families and the service members that you're getting to care for. I thought that was a great patient population to be able to invest in and work with. Um, and it's, it's turned out great. It's um, definitely something that I would recommend to people that have that flexibility in their life. I'm young. I didn't have kids, didn't have anything that was um, really restricting me to having to be in one area. So I was able to go to USIS and basically do rotations all around the country, different military facilities, got to do summer operational experience in Soto Cano and Honduras, got to go uh, do flight surgery school. And now I'm on my first duty location after uh, med school residency and fellowship with the army and I'm in Germany. So it's pretty amazing. Um, and the people are just great. Um, it's, I think it's the same type of people that we feel like we fit with in emergency medicine tend to also be um, very common in the military world as well. What has been one of the things that surprised you most about being a military physician? Hmm. I think the leadership opportunities of the military. I thought being a physician in the army, I would be working in the army's hospitals being a physician. I thought it would be pretty much like your civilian emergency room kind of schedule. You work a couple days, have a couple days off. Um, but that's really only half of what the army doctors and those physicians really do. So you do have in the military treatment facilities on the military bases that have hospitals. There are physicians that do that, um, that are mainly your pit docs or work your ER shifts. However, the military also uses their physicians as leaders, as battalion surgeons, brigade surgeons, as flight surgeons, as um, advisors to the non-medical commanders. Um, they also have other medical capabilities that are not in your fixed hospitals. So like where I'm at is a field hospital. It's if you were to picture the green mash tents 
the inflatable green tents, basically. And I just went out for a month to Romania with my field hospital where we blew up our tents and we set up rickshaws and litters and we still had our ProPAC MDs and we had our suction and all of our medical devices you have in the emergency room, but in a austere setup. And they have that setup, which we call like a roll three, kind of a mid-level where your um, US level hospitals would be closer to uh, level four or five. But they also have even farther forward, which is what really drew me to the army specifically is you can go farther forward, especially being emergency medicine or family medicine. Um, physicians and NPAs can go even farther forward to what we call roll one and roll two levels of care, where my husband, Jason Osman, um, is in our sister unit is the Ford surgical team or the Ford surgical detachment. And those um, are even more mobile and smaller green tents, or some people even go out in big rolling vehicles and are still able to use all of your emergency medicine training and care and techniques and equipment. We're just doing it in a smaller, more mobile kind of capability. That sounds, in my mind, I'm just getting this really fascinating picture that's combining so many elements of what I've experienced with um, global health, with being able to flex and bend and move at a moment's notice, just because you either don't have certain resources or have suddenly gotten an influx of resources or the patients all moved somewhere else. And so many of those elements with this actually highly regimented, strict, you know, protocols that still apply in a lot of situations. This is just a really fascinating picture of what medical practice can look like. And it sounds like even for yourself going into this eyes wide open and planning out your military career from the start of medical school, it sounds like you've been actually really surprised by a lot of the twists and turns in your career along the way, even as early into it as you are. Absolutely. I, I think what's what I like about it is it's always exciting and it's it's different. And again, the same words I would use to describe emergency medicine and why I liked it. Um, you can see so many different types of patients. There's so many individual and unique pathologies in each case is different. And now take that same medicine that you love and apply it in a totally unique scenario where you're in the back of a Humvee you know, transporting a patient with medevac, or now we're up in a helicopter, we're in a Chinook, and we're with the flight medic trying to give medical guidance, or now we're in that MASH tent, we're in our, you know, combat area support hospital, um, trying to stabilize and do damage control resuscitation, and then we're trying to evac that patient back to Launchstool, where that I'm also working. And then back to Oconus, where I did my training, and I'll probably be back in two and three years from now, because that's how the Army works. Every three years, you're rotating to a different job in a different place, and there's just a huge variety of places to work at where you can be a hospital pit doc for one assignment, and then you can be a operational forge surgeon the next and then you can get back to being an you know an administrative person or a 
Um, you know, you can try to be the brigade surgeon where you're over a ton of other different docs and PAs, or you could be the surgeon general. I mean, there's just so many options for doctors in the military that I didn't realize. And the leadership opportunities and the training that it brings, I think is huge. Um, I've had the opportunity just last month, a couple months ago, to go to the junior leadership course in, at Walter Reed uh, in Virginia. And I got to listen to the Surgeon General, the Command Surgeon uh, you know, of the Army and um, the highest enlisted in the Army in the Medical Corps talk to us about leadership philosophy and how we are the next generation of leadership and healthcare in the military. Um, and I never thought I would be sitting in that kind of arena, sitting at the table with those types of people, um, getting taught leadership philosophy and um, skills that I think are really important to emergency medicine that we don't get in medical school, we don't get in residency, is that leadership and advocacy and um, like that kind of training to be able to then apply it to higher levels. So I think not all of us want to be hit doctors or working in the emergency room four days a week for the next 40 years. I think we might want to branch off to academic medicine or healthcare administration or advocacy in some sort. So I think it's been really interesting to see all the different options that emergency medicine has but also the military just amplifies it. I, I don't know about you, Liz, but if I hear one day that Dr. Chelsea Osman is the next Surgeon General, I'm looking back <laughs> at this podcast. Not and like, surprised at all. <laughs> we'll be there I think we'll time. be able to highlight it and say, we knew her when. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> It'd be good for so, emergency medicine. <laughs> and women in leadership positions in general. Absolutely. So what I'm really hearing from you is that your career has kind of taken an unexpected path. And it sounds like you're kind of not really where you thought you would end up um, in terms of career goals and overall longevity. Tell us about kind of what happened after residency and how you ended up in the positions you're in now. So when I was in residency, I thought that I would be working um, an emergency room, probably around Georgia. That's where I'm from. I went to Emory University, love Grady. I love Northside and Children's and all of that area. So the original plan for med school was to stay around there. But after I joined the military and um, went through training and residency, I definitely knew I wanted to do ultrasound as a fellowship because I think it's important for us as emergency medicine physicians to have a niche. I think um, for anyone that wants to go into academic medicine or wants to do publications or speak at conferences, you know, you kind of find those specific things you're interested in. Um, ultrasound was definitely one for me. So I did the fellowship um, at Credampsy, the Carl R. Darnell Army Medical Center. Um, and so after I did residency there, and um, it was a great opportunity to be able to go to a bunch of different ultrasound courses and really 
decide what types of ultrasound I wanted to learn. Um, I think it was super helpful because I know that I want to use ultrasound in the military, especially for austere medicine and in the future for disaster medicine, island medicine, they like to call it, um, where I want to be able to do ultrasound for, you know, all different things like muscular skeletal ultrasounds and sports medicine, but I also want to be able to use it for looking at head injuries and ocular traumas, but I also want to do, you know, you can keep adding to the toolkit of what you want to learn. I think ultrasound is just going to grow and become more and more utilized and we're going to find cooler and cooler things to do with it. And this definitely helps me being in the field hospital, especially um, I will be going to the um, forward surgical team next is probably my next plan for my assignment where I'm going further forward, meaning you have less capabilities. So right now in my field hospital, when we're seeing patients, I don't have a CT scanner. I have an x-ray, then I have an ultrasound. It's an old Sonocyte M turbo, good old blue <laughs> dinosaur friend. Hey, I learned on those. Like those are those are classics. They do not break until they really, really break. Birth <laughs> nope. is still going strong. She, I mean, she's my tool. They say, you know, yeah, the government word is when you need an ACT, we'll we'll make sure it gets to you, but I haven't had it yet. So I've been operating mainly with an X-ray and an ultrasound. Um, so I'm I love that I've been able to have that training and that tool because I think 10, 15 years ago, besides the fast exam, I don't think a lot of people really knew or, um, you know, were interested in even kind of like adding it to their toolkit. But now it's, it's exploded. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, so now, you know, I can even take my portable ultrasounds and I can stick it in my pocket, you know, my camo and that can throw it in my rucksack and I can have it right there in the back of the military vehicle or I can I can have that at all times. So I think it's been a useful tool. And I, uh, I think it's a good investment because ultimately career goals, my husband and I definitely want to become island doctors in our retirements. So the plan is to, we've got a sailboat and we're gonna sail out to the Caribbean out in the Bahamas somewhere, and we're gonna trade medical care for chickens and eggs and other good things. Life goals right now. I swear to God, I'll make a fantastic first mate. Okay, like just like join <laughs> you on this adventure. <laughs> we'll have the medicine crew. It'll be great. Oh man, we'll have to come up with a really great ship name. You know, the the SS Wanderer or something. You know, something really really good. Lots of t-shirts. Man, okay, so you have this so many incredible opportunities, so many amazing surprises that have happened along the way already. These fantastic variety of career goals ahead of you. If you were looking back at a student or a resident or anybody who was considering but a little wary of a career in military service, what would be your advice to them? What would you tell them? I think it all depends on the person and the time and space that you're in. Um, again, for me, I was young, didn't have a family. 
um, and I was healthy and able to enlist. So it worked perfectly for me knowing that I wanted to do emergency medicine. I wanted to do ultrasound. I wanted to travel. And I met my husband. So that was also nice in military med school. So we were able to make that journey together. Uh, my family was hugely supportive, except for I went Army and not Navy. So I hear a little bit of jokes on the <laughs> Army Navy game day. But besides that, very supportive. Um, also, not having student loans and having a guaranteed paycheck through medical school and residency and fellowship was huge. Um, I knew coming out of college that I was going to have to pay for medical school on my own. Um, so I was prepared to take out loans and actually was going to major in nursing. Um, and uh, I was going to work and save up money for a couple of years and then um, apply to medical school. Um, and then I found USIS and was able to change that senior year and <laughs> made some changes because nurses work way too hard. Let's be honest. We see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, I think, again, it, it worked for me and it worked at that time. But even my brother, um, God bless him, he's a lawyer and uh, he's great, but, you know, lawyer. Um, but he said, you know, when I was going to join, he said, but they're going to tell you what to do. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed. He's like, but you're going to have to live where they tell you and do what they say. And for me, that's a guaranteed job. And it's no matter who you work for, you still have a boss. They still tell you what to do and they still tell you where to live. Um, so for me, that was okay. But for other people, that wouldn't. So I don't think it's a decision you make lightly, especially if you're going to use this for the Uniformed Services University you get medical school um, paid for. They also pay you as a second lieutenant through school, um, get healthcare benefits. There's a lot of great things. And then in the end, you owe them seven years of service. And for me, my outlook on that was, that's a guaranteed job for seven years where we are in a time where a lot of people don't have that guarantee. They don't have that promise of a paycheck. Um, that kind of stability. That's how it felt to me. Whereas other things I recommend for people is looking at the Health Profession Scholarship or HPSP. You owe four years. Um, they pay for your medical school and you get a smaller stipend while you're in school. So that's an option as well. If anyone um, feels like, you know, well, I'm too old. We had, we had people that was their second career in my med school. We had people, oh, I have kids. We had people that had kids and families in med school too. But for some people that, you know, don't want to start that 12, 15 year journey right now, it might not be the best option. But for me and my family, it, it really has been a blessing. It's been good. Well, it just sounds absolutely amazing, not only your journey to get to where you are right now, but the opportunities you have planned for yourself along the way, the opportunities that have been surprises to you along the way, and such an incredible future and more to come. I'm still rooting um, for Surgeon General someday. Uh, I want to be I want to be famous by association <laughs> in a very, very small, tiny way. Um, 
But truly, we thank you not only for your service, um, but for being so willing to come on to our podcast and share a little bit more about yourself. And I'm sure both of you guys are going to be uh, paying back Jenny in the volunteering of her coming on too, right? Oh, absolutely. Just wait for a future podcast with Dr. Krukorski for mm-hmm. a little follow-up on a little follow-up on this. Um, or you can come and hear some of it in person. Um, if you are into ultrasound and you want to hear more from Dr. Osman, come join us at MEMC where she'll be teaching us all wonderful skills that we can use not only in our own emergency departments, but if we also decide to try island life for ourselves. So join us in Rhodes and Dr. Chelsea Osman, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. And thank you for sharing your story. We'll see you guys all next time on our next episode. Take care. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 8,000 emergency physicians dedicated to board certification and democratic group practice. For more information about AAEM, visit our website at www.aaem.org. Find all episodes of this podcast and our other podcast series on the AAEM website under resources and then publications. Join us again next episode for a new journey through emergency medicine.